0: Thank you, Rebecca, Dan, and Choir and Instrumentalists for our beautiful worship today. Turn your copy of God's Word to Jeremiah 29, page 785 in your, your pew Bible. When I was checking out the department store last night with my ruby red slippers, the attendant said, I would have never thought that you were the ruby red slipper kind of guy." She said, but you know, the TV just kind of captures you from the waist up. Who would would have known? I tried to explain. I really did. Ruby red shoes, a rainbow in toto, all familiar ingredients of the 1939 musical film, The Wizard of Oz. Of all the quotations, of all the movies of all times, someone's compiled a list of the most famous quotes from movies ever. And The Wizard of Oz, not surprisingly, holds two cherished spots of the top 25 words from all films of all times. Coming in at number four, Toto, I have a feeling... We're not in Kansas anymore. (laughs) Coming in at number 23, there's no place like home. There's no place like home. There's no place like home. The ancient Israelites are there with Dorothy. You've been there with Dorothy. Maybe you're there today just wanting to get home to Uncle Henry and Auntie M, to go back to Kansas. The musical is a search, isn't it? A search for home. A search for the familiar. A search for family. Jeremiah 29 is much alike. The ancient Israelites, those from Judah, are asking Dorothy's question, why are we in Babylon? Why are we so far from home? Why are we in exile? There's no place like Jerusalem Jeremiah 29 gives attention to those in exile, those who had been taken away by the enemy. They had been captured and kidnapped and deported in, in their homeland in Judah and carried away, far away to Babylon. And they were exiled geographically. They were displaced physically. But there is more to exile than geographical location. In fact, exile is not primarily about where you are, is it? But it is social and moral and a cultural phenomenon. It is a loss of a structured, reliable world which gives meaning and coherence to life. It is a loss of a framework which we each love that is trusted and treasured. A person can find themselves in exile and never move locations. Perhaps you're here this morning, you feel like those ancient Israelites. Perhaps you too feel like you're not where you need to be, you're not at home, you're in a foreign land. Some of you feel like you're in exile this morning because of drastic change in your life, like drastic change that God's people incurred. A change, a death, a diagnosis, a prognosis, a a family crisis, a child who disappoints, a job that's unsure, dropping off a kid at college. Whatever it is, you too this morning feel if you've been carried away to an uncomfortable, unfamiliar, foreign land. To a place where you no longer feel at home. You have been captured and carried to Babylon. The normalcy of your life has been ripped away. Seemingly never to return, you're hurt, angry, sad, frustrated, bewildered. You know things in some way will never be exactly the same like they were. And perhaps this morning you can't even imagine how you can keep going on, keep on keeping on. Oh, you might be still here geographically, but your exile is spiritual and emotional because you too have had the things that you trust, everything you've looked forward to, snatched away. Or for some of you, being in Amarillo may be for you. It's home for us, but for you, you're lonely here. It is exile for you in Amarillo. Chapter 29 is a letter probably carried by royal messengers. Perhaps they were dispatched for the sole purpose of carrying this particular letter, or perhaps they were like our mailman picks up my mail and your mail and carries everybody's all together. There was so much correspondence between Jeremiah and King Zedekiah that that maybe it was the routine business of a courier of the state to carry the message. Jeremiah had received word in Jerusalem that there were false prophets there in Babylon telling the exiles their circumstances would soon change, that they would be going home, don't worry, pack your bags, this is no big deal. You're just passing through Babylon. Get ready, you're coming home. The false prophets were giving words of assurance and words of hope, words of peace and words of comfort, words that were absolutely false about the reality of where God's people were. The exiles listening to the false prophets were making no effort to adjust to their new home for their long stay. They were putting all their eggs in the false prophets' basket They were counting on the false hope of going home and going home soon. And Jeremiah knew better. Jeremiah knew they were going to be there for a while. He knew they had 70 years to be in Babylon. So he was disturbed by their unrealistic attitude. And so he sends this letter. It's a letter about circumstances and situations that cannot be changed for now. I I know you're weary. I know you're defeated. I know you want to get back to the homeland. I know you want things back the way that they used to be. But it's not going to happen. At least it's not going to happen anytime soon. So between now and then, Between the now of being in Babylon and the then of being back home, I want you to go on with the business of living, not just surviving. I want you to bloom where you're planted, O ancient Israel. It's about living, maybe even where you don't want to be, and dealing with the things you cannot change. I want to listen to three words this morning from Jeremiah to the exiles. The first word is, face the facts. Face the facts. To the exiles then and the exiles today, to those who lament and despair over the way things used to be, how you want them to be, Jeremiah says, not coldly, but realistically, it's time to face the facts. Realize it's not going to be, right now at least, the way that it once was. Look at verses 8 through 10. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, do not let your prophets who are in your midst and your diviners deceive you and do not listen to the dreams which they dream for they prophesy falsely to you in my name. I have not sent them, declares the Lord. For thus says the Lord, when 70 years have been completed for Babylon, I will visit you and fulfill my good word for you and bring you back to this place. The false prophets are throughout the book of Jeremiah in chapter 23 and chapter 27 and chapter 28. They offer sort of the seduction of hopeful religious fantasy. The threat to the Jews is that they will be by these false prophets talked out of living between the now and the then. They must live out their faith right where God has placed them. No pretense of religious fantasy is going to extricate God's people from the place God has for them right now in Babylon in human history. The false prophets peddle a a false bill of goods. It's not a, a wicked message. It's just a wrong message. Don't worry. Things are about to change. Don't sweat this one. Pack your bags. We're not staying here. Jeremiah turns to them and says, Don't you believe it? Things are not going to change. You're going to be in captivity for seven decades. Face the facts. You will not be coming home from Jerusalem. Face the facts. This problem's going to last your whole lifetime. Face the facts. Your circumstances and situation are not going to change. Face the facts. Some of you here this morning need to hear that word from Jeremiah face the facts. Spouse who left you not coming back. Face the facts. The disease which you've contracted, there is no known cure at this time. Face the facts. Because of the merger, the job's not ever going to pack to the way that it used to be. Face the facts. The, the child who's disappointing you right now is going to disappoint you for a little longer. Face the facts. The exile is not yet over. These are Hard words, if you're an ancient Israelite. These are hard words if you're seeing in the sanctuary in 2018. Face the facts. Everyone has suffering, don't they? Everybody has a handicap, a, a shortcoming. The great Scottish preacher Alexander McLaren said, Be kind to everyone you meet, because everyone you meet is fighting a battle. Be kind to everyone you meet, because everyone you meet is fighting a battle. When you think about it, the only really normal people you know are the people you don't know. Isn't that true? You look across the the landscape at work and the the families who seem to have no problems and have it all completely together, completely blessed. And you look around the, the sanctuary like this room and you look and you think that family has it all together. And you think they have no suffering, no pain, no sickness, no hardship. It's a life of ease for them. But you think about it, it's because you don't really know them, isn't it? Everybody is at battle. Everybody has disappointments. Everybody has at least some point in her life or his life when they find themselves in exile, in Babylon. Every generation of people endures suffering and heartache and headache and really If you ask me i think previous generations suffered much more think about all the illnesses for which there was absolutely no cure and all the the death at childbirth the infant mortality the plagues that would wipe out entire populations you think about how much modern medicine has changed things and and how they used to struggle from hand to mouth and the difference today between our generation and the generations of old is that we are the first people to expect that we should not ever see Babylon. All the other generations knew it would be part of their story. It is in our mindset that something is wrong and we've been shortchanged and we've been cheated or mistreated or something is horrible if we have to suffer or have frustration. This this makes it all the more difficult. Perhaps we are the worst generation at actually facing the facts. We function okay when the end is at sight, and the solution to the problem is at hand. And most of the time, thank God, there is the good news that this is no big deal. But sometimes it is a big deal. It can't be fixed. And Jeremiah doesn't tell them to just have more faith or just to pray harder. No, Jeremiah gives them a piece of advice. Face the facts. You are where you are. I want you to bloom right where you're planted. There's a a second word beside face the facts, and that is flourish in the face of the facts. Verses 5 through 7. Flourish in the face of the facts. Verse 5, build houses and live in them and plant gardens and eat their produce and take wives and become the fathers of sons and daughters and take wives for your sons and give your daughters to husbands that they may bear sons and daughters and multiply there and do not decrease and seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray the Lord on his behalf for in its welfare, you will have Welfare. Look at the imperative nature of these verbs. Build, live, plant, eat, plant the apple tree. You're going to be here long enough to get some fruit one day. Live like you're staying here for a while. Judah is going to have to face the facts of the exile to Babylon. They have no option. Jeremiah doesn't offer them a solution. He offers them a change in attitude, a new perspective, how they should look at the situation before them, live, plant, build, eat. Life is filled with heroes that jump the hurdles and finish the race victoriously. That's why we admire people like Louis Pasteur upon whose wonderful research much, much of modern medicine rests. And all the more when we realize at age 46 he had a debilitating stroke and was a paralytic for the rest of his days. Or Beethoven when we read and learn that he actually wrote music while he could not hear. He was deaf. Or Milton who wrote poems when he was blind. Or Jackie Joyner-Kersey who won all the gold medals despite the fact she suffered from asthma. There are no normal people. It is the crippled who get the work done in this life. When we look at the story behind the story, everyone is in Babylon and everyone is in exile. But the ones who prosper, the ones who've decided, despite the asthma, despite the deafness, despite the blindness, despite the whatever, I'm going to live and plant and build and eat and prosper. Bloom right where you're planted. God in our lives never condones our pouting or our treading water or our running in place. No matter what our circumstances, the command comes to us to live, build, plant a garden. Encourage your children to date. You get married. Give your daughters to get married. If they don't get married now, they will never get married. You need... To to increase as God's people right where you are. God gives all of us a, a garden to plant, a field to teal and accept. If the, garden, if the soil in my garden is thinner, if there's more rocks, so be it. I'm only required to do the best I can with the field that I am given. I need to stop looking over the fence at my neighbor's garden where the soil seems so much more rich and so much more normal compared to mine. The only test that God ever gives any of us is, what have you done with what I have entrusted to you? The exiles are called to say, you know it's not perfect, but I shall make it. So many of us today are paralyzed with problems. We're paralyzed with life. We're like the frog caught by the flashlight. We're frozen stiff, and all we do is sit and think about the way that life used to be, the way that it was back in Jerusalem, the way that it was back in Judah, the way that it was before before Babylon came and carried me away to a place where I'm not comfortable anymore, before all my security and my framework was ripped from me, before the death, the divorce, the broken relationship, Relationship, the destruction, the disappointment, the empty nest, whatever it is, before the bad news about your family. The message from Jeremiah is move on. You're going to be here for a while. Jeremiah is not offering some unrealistic Pollyanna attitude towards life. The exiles must grieve the loss of Jerusalem and Judah, and they must move forward. Jeremiah refuses to join them in singing the captivity blues. We must come to terms with life as it is and enjoy it. Or we can pout up and dry up and wither up away in bitterness. You can't change it, but within you, you can live fully with Babylon. The fact of the matter is, life is only going to be so good and so happy. God has never promised us a life of ease. Jesus says... We're going to suffer with him if we're going to be glorified with him. The psalmist says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. And Paul says, even the best apostles end up with thorns in their sides. Maybe Charlie Brown's sister, you remember her, Sally, renowned theologian of history, may have expressed it best when she said, I think I've discovered the secret to life. What is it, Sally? What's the secret to life? You just hang around until you get used to it, she said. (laughs) That's the word to ancient Judah. You're going to have to hang around and bow down. You're going to have to get used to it. So move on with your life. You can either get bitter or get better. You can get paralyzed or you can get propelled by the circumstances in life. Now, the command is live, build, plant, eat. Here's a third and final word from Jeremiah have faith in face of the facts. Verses 10 through 14. Have faith in the face of the facts. Don't settle for despair. Don't be doom and gloom. Have faith. Look at verse 10. For thus says the Lord, when 70 years have been completed for Babylon, I will visit you and fulfill my good word to you and bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you. We always take this passage out of context. Does it mean something different to you now? I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not for calamity to give you a future and a hope and then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you and you will seek me and find me and you will search for me with all your heart and I will be found by you, declares the Lord and I will restore your fortunes and I will gather you from all the nations and from all the places where I have driven you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back to the place where I sent you into exile. Yahweh keeps the message of homecoming. The promise is rooted in God and Yahweh's long-term resolve for his people. The future will be filled with joy and hope And while the ancient Israelites may now think that God is inept, unavailable, and absent and unaffected, look at verse 12. You will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. Call, come, pray. God is all ears. God is listening to us this morning. I will stop the pain. I will cease the suffering. Years ago, a television producer made a documentary on what it's like to be told you have terminal cancer. Some of you have heard those words, who hear my voice. Some of you know that feeling. It's not an illustration for you. He arranged with a cancer specialist to video the patients as they came in and they heard in the examining room the hard word, About their cancer. They filmed as the doctor walked in and delivered the news the shock, the disbelief, the anger, the terror. The camera followed three particular individuals in this television special for the next several months, and being terminal, all three died. But what stood out was the different ways in which the patients accepted and dealt with the disease. Apparently, the first two had very little faith. Their relationship with their families were broken and severed. There was so much anger and bitterness, and the brokenness at the news precluded any real relationships with anybody around them. It was two sad tales. But the third individual was quite inspiring. The black pastor from a small inner-city congregation in his late 60s. The doctor comes in, the camera is rolling, the doctor delivers the the harsh news to the African-American pastor, you've got terminal cancer, you only have months to live. There was no outcry. There was no great anger. Patiently, the man and the wife asked the doctor what this meant. He described the course of treatment and how it would come down. They head to the car. The cameras keep following and filming. They eavesdrop on the pastor and his wife as they hold hands and pray in the car right before they leave the doctor's office. The cameras show up on the last Sunday he ever preached. He dies that week after his final sermon. He was open about his illness, and he said, A number of you have asked me, Am I mad at God for this disease that has been ravaging my body? I'm not mad at God. We live in a world that's cursed and fallen in sin and sickness, and death is all part of it. I'm not mad at God. In fact, I love God more than I have ever loved him. Don't be sorry for me, I'm going to a better place where there are no tears and no death and no heartache and no sorrow. Besides, his sermon continued. Our Lord Jesus Christ suffered and died for our sins. Why shouldn't I share in his suffering? Right there on television, a cappella, no accompaniment, he began to sing in an old broken voice, must Jesus bear the cross alone and all the world go free? No, there's a cross for everyone, and there's a cross for me. How happy are the saints above who once went sorrowing here, but now they taste unmingled love of joy without a fear. The consecrated cross I'll bear till death shall set me free, and then go home my crown to wear, for there's a crown for me. He died before the next Sunday. Ushered into the presence of the Lord he had served all of his life. Yes, for him, the exile was over, and he was truly and fully and wonderfully home. Face the facts. Flourish in the face of the facts. Have faith in the face of the facts. We may just be in Babylon for a while. But I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare, not calamity. To give you a future and a, I love that last word, a future and a hope. Let us pray. Oh, God, there. Some of us here this morning who need to hear this word. We feel like we're in exile, taken to a new and strange land that we know not of. It's unfamiliar, it's uncomfortable. May we hear the words of our Lord that we are to live, plant, eat, flourish. right where we are, in the midst of our suffering, our loneliness, our change, is where we find you best. Thank you for being a God who gives his people a future, a God who gives all his followers a hope. Well, God, maybe there's someone here this morning who finds herself or himself in exile, and this will be the morning for them to come home, to to have a church family, a place to worship, a place to say brother and sister to those who also declare in song and in praise that Jesus is Lord. Maybe there's somebody else who says, I'm in Babylon and I don't have a God. I don't have anybody that hears me when I pray. I don't have anybody who says, come, call, and pray. I'm shouting in the wind. Maybe she would come today and say, I want a God of the future, a God of hope. In the name of Jesus we pray, amen. Amen.